0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Anderson, Augustino and & Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino and & Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com.
1: Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider, Pete Sampson, Tim O'Malley. We're back from Miami. Uh, Notre Dame, 41-8 losers, playoff hopes over and done. Uh, uh, I think you and I both shared this opinion coming out of the game in our columns and maybe just sort of walking out of the stadium on Saturday night that, that it wasn't a surprise that Notre Dame got found out. It was a surprise that Miami did the finding out. Uh, That was, I think, one... There were many shocks, but that was one of the biggest for me, that Miami was good enough to expose some things that maybe we thought Notre Dame could get exposed on.
2: All right, we were joking before the game when we saw Auburn beating Georgia. There's some people saying, you know, Alabama's not that great this year either. (laughs) Uh, Maybe see if some other team could take care of that Alabama problem. And that's the type of team I thought could do that to Notre Dame still. Uh, I didn't think anyone would do that to their running game. I didn't think anyone would ever again do that to their running game because I don't think Georgia did that to their running game. Notre Dame was able to find middle screens that worked against Georgia, and that mm-hmm. was part, you know, their famous extension of the running game, the middle screens to Josh Adams. They were just destroyed up front, but they were destroyed in every manner.
1: Game plan included.
2: Game plan at the top of the list. And Peter, I want to run this by you because we were very confident. I want to go ahead and... You know this is as wrong as you could be, as I as I could be about a football game going in.
1: This was really one of my worst picks in years.
2: (laughs) It's real. It has to be. I mean, I can't think anything. It's Texas, maybe last year because I thought they'd be better defense than fifty points. But this, no, this is it. This has got to be the as wrong as you can be. But I I noticed there's about seven of us that cover Notre Dame that were in a little corner of that press box, It, Mm -hmm. it turns, and it's all daily media, so that we've seen them play well. All year. And by the time Miami had the ball back, when they're up 7-0, there was a look on everyone's face that knew we were all wrong. Yeah. It was not a situation where, oh, just get a stop here, and I think this is going to be a good game. It was Miami could fumble the ball right here, and we're wrong about what's going on. They looked, and I'm going to use this word, and people are going to get mad if if you're on the other side of it, they looked petrified.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Notre Dame was in a mentally terrible place when the game started and a lot of that i would give credit to miami stadium and the crowd there uh i went down it was to give you guys a sense of like our pregame from in most stadiums we can't go down on the field pregame um just like our credentials don't allow it this was an exception you could go down and walk wherever you wanted to be in the pregame so i was able to actually go down and stand almost like in notre dame's Linebacker drills and right next to them when they're running on 7 and 7. I could not believe how loud it was before the game had even kicked off. And if you were watching it on TV, there was a dead giveaway when Brian Kelly could not hear Tom Rinaldi's pregame question without putting his ear in Rinaldi's mouth. That's how loud it was. You could not hear the person standing right next to you. And that's when football was not being played. As soon as football started being played, it got even more ridiculous. I mean, we were sort of in a corner. I don't know if we were overlooking a a student
2: section. It was a pretty loud section. Whatever Whatever the
1: section was, was a freaking party going on the entire game. Like, people losing their minds. And uh, I I give the fan base a lot of credit for showing up. And I think the way that stadium was renovated with a partial roof coming over keeps everything in. I asked Brian Kelly what do you really expect from the atmosphere on Thursday? And he said, hey, you know, we've played at Michigan State. And I don't I don't bring that up to be like, ha-ha, that was a terrible call on your part, because I don't think anybody could have anticipated what that was like. And then uh, BK on Sunday said, yeah, that was a lot more like Clemson. And it was a lot more like that level of crowd, and, and Notre Dame was just not ready
2: for and it. And Brandon Wimbush was not ready for it. He'll have much better days. This He picked a... A bad time for his worst. Uh, by the time by the time it was 14-0, he wasn't going to get it done with those short passes. There were times where he, I think it was a bubble screen when they are inside their own 10-yard line. He'd have been better off trying to kick it over to him. He had no chance of completing that screen pass. It was all in his head. He's a much better passer than that. He mentally, I don't think before the game, we should say, he mentally wasn't ready for this game necessarily. But boy, once it started going and he missed St. Brown on that deep shot, he never recovered. I don't blame Brian Kelly for taking him out when he took him out for needing a spark. I think maybe when you could take him out for a series and put him right back in is probably the way to handle it because you're not going to come all the way back with Ian Book. That will not happen in a game of that magnitude where Miami's playing that well. Ian Book could go in and win a game against a team. When like, North, zero, like North Carolina. Or when it's 0-0. Yeah. You can't tell Ian Book to bring him back from 20-whatever it was at no. the time. 17 nothing down. 20 to nothing down, I believe. So I, I I didn't think taking Wimbush out for a series is a bad idea. I didn't. Believe leaving him out was ever going to work unless there's no way you were coming back without Brandon Wimbush's athleticism. Yeah. The issue was Brandon Wimbush ran into guys that run as fast as him,
1: faster even. Yeah,
2: faster even. Yes, and when that and that's when you're not when you're not mentally capable of completing the pass, you're out of luck.
1: That, I mean this was the Georgia problem. You can't get to the edge because there's no edge, and Miami was equally fast to Georgia at linebacker and in the front seven. And, and they, they played.
2: They played so confidently. They yeah. they were it was a feeding frenzy after that first turnover.
1: And I I don't understand what Notre Dame was trying to accomplish offensively strategically with I Kirk Herbstreet must have said slow developing run play a dozen times on the broadcast and I really want to go back and watch each of Josh Adams' runs to see like where were they going with this cuz So much of it seemed to be outside the tackles, which is playing into the strength of the Miami defense. And just the the zone read stuff outside where you leave a guy, like if it's Wimbush, Adams, and their defensive end, um, Matthew Thomas. Matthew Thomas is the fastest of those three guys in that that situation. You can't leave him on block because he's just going to track everybody down and you just saw that happen over and over and over again um the the third and three option to chase claypool that was
2: bad enough where it is leading off my monday call yeah
1: that was like i was offended watching that
2: yeah i think that was the point where everybody looked at like what do they think what are they doing this is not the way to attack it was we don't think we can run this down your throat for three yards so we're going to try and trick you with a boundary option between two guys that just started practicing this, this week.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it creates an interesting dynamic because I believe some fans early in the game were like, why are they getting away from the run game? I I've, The way I saw Miami line up from our corner view, because we had a, a sort of interesting press box angle, was I felt like they packed the middle of the field, they would bring a safety down, and it was a legitimate hats in the box argument. We're like, okay, well, let's not run between the tackles because they have, in some pl- times, two more guys than we can block there. And it may they dared my or they dared Brandon Walsh to beat him passing the ball, which he he could not do on Saturday night. Um,
2: you know, if he hits St. Brown on that touchdown, maybe things are a little bit different. Well, the confidence level is much higher for Notre Dame. Yeah, much. I mean, exponentially higher for Notre Dame. It is a little less in some way for Miami. I don't know how much less. They're pretty fired up. They're a pretty confident team, but it hurts them. It really helps Notre Dame. Um, I don't know if there's an early... I don't know if Wimbush is missing so badly throughout the game if he hits that throw. Um, I don't know if you win the game. I'm not saying that that he lost the game with with missing that pass, because I don't think Miami's level was coming down that much, but I think Notre Dame could have... Look, that would have been a third... That would have been two third-down conversions and a bomb touchdown on the opening drive. That gives you confidence going into your next series, and you can dictate a little bit more. It would have been an issue still because Miami wasn't going to get slower because that happened. They weren't going to get more aggressive, and the chain still existed. And I tell you what, I have never seen a stadium and a sideline get so excited about something. No,
1: it was. (laughs) It is.
2: We were talking about this
1: going up to the press box after the game with Pete Thamel because he was writing about Miami, and I, I made the point with that it's the turnover is the big play but then the crowd gets more excited over the change yes. so it's like you're getting sort of this compounding interest type of thing happening and the connection that the fan base had with the players and the players had with the fan base is i i don't think i've seen that on the road ever I, i've certainly not seen it at Notre Dame uh it was a really unique environment which doesn't even get into the Ed Reed, Warren Sapp, Clinton Portis—like every time they showed one of those old yeah. players, people went nuts. Um, it was it was the perfectly wired trap uh, for Notre Dame, and they just they just plowed right into it.
2: If, and at some point, credit belongs to Miami too because Travis Homer was great. They were they opened holes for him. He hit the holes. He was quicker at the second level. Notre Dame's linebackers, Tavon Coney, played a competitive hard game. Offensively, Kevin Stefferson played a competitive hard game. Period.
1: Yeah, it was really difficult to pick out anybody yeah. else. Um, some guys could, didn't have a chance. I mean, Durham
2: Smythe it. wasn't heavily involved enough to you know, continue his ascent that he has had here during the season. Uh, it was it was difficult to watch for um, if you're an analyst that thinks you have some idea what you might see that day. Yeah. Everything was completely different. And just looking at Miami on tape, the way people are able to hit them... Off tackle runs, I, and I was saying, but pregame, I don't mean around tackle. I mean off tackle runs. That wasn't there either. There was, it's not like Notre Dame just didn't try this magic formula. There was nothing there. Kudos to Miami, but it, as you said, it it, it was a horrid top down failure for Notre Dame. And I think you do have to start top.
1: Oh, the very top, without a doubt. And uh, I mean, it's worth talking about Brian Kelly and and how he handled. And we'll have situations. questions a lot
2: about him here. So, but your point is yeah, post game, man. just
1: like during the game. I just tweeted out like. Unsolicited advice for Brian Kelly. Own it. Don't hedge. Don't waver. Just own it. And I thought he did a good job of that. And that's something that, look, that's something that he hasn't always been great at. I think that's like what's fair to say and move on from that. But um, he, I, I thought, did a good job post-game of accepting responsibility. I thought he did the same thing Sunday. I think he'll do the same thing Tuesday. I think he'll do that as long as he's asked about it. Um, cause it, it was the kind of performance that could start to fray something you've, you've spent nine, 10, 11 months working to, to patch back together. Um, I also say one thing that's important to mention about Brandon Wilmich, I think at least is that I was told on the sideline when Ian Book went in, he was engaged, encouraging, trying to help Ian Book along, um, That could have been an instance where Brandon Wimbush lost it a little bit, too, and he didn't. Um, I think that Brandon Wimbush continues to have everything that you'd want your quarterback to have without the passing game coming along, which is a really freaking important part of being a quarterback, obviously. But he's somebody that I think you're going to continue to roll with
2: until he gives you every reason not to. And I want to... Go back to the North Carolina game, because I think people took what Kelly said wrong about that. You asked about Wimbush coming out, and Kelly said, well, he wasn't really help this week. He's not really in that realm where oh, He can help. Yeah, I think people took that wrong. I think Brandon Wimbush was trying to start that game Yeah, the whole week. And then when he couldn't start that game, he couldn't start that game. I don't think he is the type of... I don't think he was not helping Ian Book in the North Carolina game. I think the coaches didn't care if he was involved in helping Ian Book, because... They're different players, and they were had to coach Ian Book up. Yeah. I think Brandon Weebush was trying to play, so no, he wasn't helping all week. He hadn't seeded his job yet. For him to help Ian Book for a couple series when Brian Kelly takes him out of that situation, that says a lot more. That's that's a great thing yeah. for a quarterback and a future leader to do. Now there was a three and out and a terrible pick six, so they were driving on the pick six. It, so he did, was, a, you know, it was that
1: was like yeah. they needed to score a touchdown before halftime yeah. and then go still go back to, to Weebush. <laughs> but look, it was a. Re- When Wimbush was really struggling, there were people calling for, like, put Ian Book in the game. Like, Ian Book was not going to be capable of winning that kind of game. Um, Whether it was in Miami or in South Bend or Los Angeles, it didn't make a difference. Um, So that's, you still have to get something out of Brandon Wimbush. And that's, I I asked Kelly about that on Sunday because, look, this is six of his nine starts. He's been 50% or worse. Uh, I think completion percentage generally is overrated. The ability to hit a crossing route for eight yards is not underrated. That was critical on Saturday night. He could, he was not physically capable of doing that. He threw two picks and could have thrown five more. Right. Um, So it's, that's a legitimate concern for Notre Dame moving forward. Um, Though it
2: doesn't have to be this week.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. It does not have to be this week. It shouldn't be this week. It, it probably doesn't even have to be, I don't really be the next week against either. Stanford either. I mean, it, they. But if you
2: win both, it becomes one in that major six bowl game.
1: Yes, and at that point, you have a month to work on it. Um, but I, I am. I am just not sure how right physically Brandon Wimbush is right now either with the hand I thought ABC did a good job sort of showing how he couldn't take a snap under center basically in the correct way and then even after the two point conversion you watch him come over to the sideline and he is gritting his teeth in some kind of discomfort or pain. I don't know if that's an ankle I don't know if that's a hand I don't know if that's something else but he he was just he wasn't right mentally but I don't think he was right physically either I think that really cost them.
2: It was, from the fan base's point of view, the ultimate gut punch. Gut punch straight. Uh, I think there's probably a few questions to this one, but... I know that people had finally gotten back on.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's why it was so hard to take for I, the was, fan bases. Is... And they are completely
2: off. Yeah. They're... And our colleague Tim Priester and I, we kind of go back and forth on this one. It might be from being different generations of Notre Dame fans. I am telling you right now, this bandwagon has been abandoned. <laughs> It is. It has gone off the rails. It's it's a, a, fair a, or not. That a is the
1: case. An abandoned a wagon. Abandoned wagon. <laughs> I'm workshopping. Fair about. or not,
2: we don't have to debate. That is the case. And I guess three and zero with a win over Ohio State would help. But uh, short of that, it's they can't have this type of that. They they lost face in Miami. The program lost face again.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, it's it, okay
2: to lose to Miami at Miami. And now that we've seen Miami play, they're a good team. Right? If you go out and lose twenty eight twenty four in a classic football game, I don't think the aban- the abandonment shouldn't be there. This was this was horrific. This you wrote about it. This is this has company, and it's only the worst company.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was. And one they're of not
2: th- as good as the team that you referenced either.
1: No, no, this is. I I don't think Miami is that great.
2: They're good. They're, they're better they're than we thought. I mean, they're, they're looking. Hey, I better give it here. Quite good, yeah, but I mean. So.
1: Like when you start to, but when you pick apart that offense, right? They, they're, they're terrible on third down. I mean, Mark Rick joked that they need to have a third down conversion chain. Did you know they were uh, two
2: for thirteen on third. Yes. down? Yes, two for thirteen,
1: and in that game, terrible. It's amazing. Their the red zone offense is just they're they're grab bagging for yeah, they stuff. Don't have, they they don't, don't have a plan. Teams it, so. that go wildcat don't have a plan.
2: Um, <laughs> so that when you when you sort of factor all that in are you saying because our colleague next to us called out the quarterback draw that Notre Dame didn't see and you and I on the touchdown to Barrios go well, well here comes a corner uh, yeah Berrios, and that's come on man you that's not do um, on this.
1: it's not a good situation uh when you can't stop that but look this this was a game Notre Dame lost on offense yes by a lot um and on the sidelines I asked uh, Kelly after the game, just sort of like, okay, what do you think about the defense? Because I mean, you look at the, you just look at the raw numbers—like forty-one points. I know there's a pick-six in there. The two hundred thirty-seven yards rushing—that's bad. That said, I don't think Malik Rogers as a passer did anything that was that great. He had the the screen pass was was a better play call than it was a play, and the fourth down, just throw it up to Lawrence Cager. That was. Basically 40% of his passing yardage.
2: Well, I, I agree with you the defense was not to blame. I will say, knowing nothing else about the offense, if you show me these post-game stats, knowing you have no idea what happened with Notre Dame. 237 yards rushing, including 146 by Travis Homer. Three rushing touchdowns, coupled with 137 yards, no picks, and a touchdown passing. I would think Miami, Notre Dame, Miami upset Notre Dame. Yeah, there's upset not in the manner they did. Yeah,
1: I, I agree with you, and I, I put this in the report card. It's like, Notre Dame's past defense, they didn't just need to sort of present prevent Malik Rozier from playing really well, which they did, I thought, for the most part. They needed to force a turnover or two. They needed to win. Yeah, yeah, they needed to create something, and they didn't. I mean, Notre Dame's leader in past breakups in the game was actually Kevin Stefferson. They needed some defensive backs to step up and and make a play, and they all all they were really able to do was to sort of prevent plays from happening at times. So it it is worth noting, and I think it's important to acknowledge that in the first half, Miami's average scoring drive was twenty six yards. That's that you're asking Mike Elko's defense to do something that's impossible there. And I thought if there were two big takeaways from this game, that. You're going to get outside of the reactionary, that sucked, crap, everything's the same, I hate my life type things. The things are, Brandon Wimbush, can he develop into a competent, consistent college passing quarterback? I don't know the answer to that. Um, and I think more of Mike Elko coming out of this game than I did going into it, because I think that we've talked about this on our podcast, we've written about it, that Notre Dame's defensive talent is not nearly as good as what everyone wanted to make it out to be in the first eight weeks. The fact that Mike Alko was able to get that defense to sort of fool everybody and look like, yeah, we can talk about them in the same sentence as Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia, now looks insane. But I think that makes the first eight weeks, to me at least, more impressive then I would spend time dwelling on Miami or Wake Forest. I do not have a more positive
2: takeaway to end the segment on that. <laughs> yeah. It was a go. I agree yeah. with the take. But it okay. is, there is no a more positive takeaway to be gleaned from the last 48 hours of Notre yeah. Dame following or fandom or, I, or analyzing. And I hate mass. that
1: I just sucked myself into the Bryce Love enhances Heisman campaign by not playing line of thinking with Mike Elko, <laughs> yeah. but... Damn it, that's where I am. All right, well, that's it for segment one. we got questions. Segment two, Irish Illustrated Insider.
0: Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers. At Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574 288 1510. Or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to segment two burning up the
2: boards. The first question from DW Stall81. This is the same story over and over for Notre Dame. Even with an improved win loss season, why keep writing the same book? BK has got to go, right? I mean, if. No, I, like, if things
1: were the same as last year, then sure. Like, if they would lost forty-one-eight to Miami to drop them to five and five, then I would feel a lot differently. But, I'd feel
2: differently. Maybe if they dropped them to six and four. Yeah, I, I mean, know. That's, that's I agree. It.
1: I agree with that too. Uh, but no, I I think that the changes that they've made in strength and conditioning, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, the the changes that they have made the head coach made within himself, I think are all sustainable moving forward. My, my concerns about Notre Dame as a program right now, go back to what I said at the end of the first segment, it's Brandon Wimbush as a passing quarterback. Cause if, if it's not him is it Phil Dracovic, like that's, that's not a healthy place to be. And then they lack good quality defensive depth in terms of what, the material that they're working with is not great. Um, we knew it before the season. We said it before the season. Former players have told me that before the season. You know, you hear that buzzing around the goop
2: before the season. That 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 hasn't changed. So, and you, to clarify, you use the term not great. Yeah. You didn't say not good or not capable of no, quality.
1: It's, it's not like you and I are starting a linebacker. Um it's it's a lot better than that. My shoulder's so, healthy, one of them is right. So it's uh it but it's a situation where they don't have Matthew Thomas. Um and then they don't like they don't have a freshman defensive back like Trajan Bandy running around out there. So they they have a bunch of good players, but and I don't want to hear about, like, oh, team speed. Well, Notre Dame has fast guys. Sure, they have fast guys, but they don't have fast guys like that. Uh, so, it's... they. I think they lack superior talent on defense. Like, if they had a Jalen Smith running around, no, nobody, nobody was complaining about Notre Dame's lack of team speed when Jalen Smith was on the team. Why is that? Because he was really freaking fast. They don't have guys who are really freaking fast right now.
2: To kind of put a fine point on this one, they made... a a move to go to Brian Kelly long-term. And by that, I always meant two years when I heard long-term from Jack Schwarberg from your interview Mm -hmm. because you don't commit to anything for more than two years in college football for a coach that went four and eight. There is nothing he did to date that doesn't warrant a second year. Yes. A second year. I didn't say he's going to be here forever and he's going to win a national title. I said he has turned them around from an eight and four team last year because you can't use the old baseline. You can't use the baseline. If I get in three car accidents this week, and next winter or next fall I don't get in any, doesn't mean I'm a good driver. It yeah. means I'm not miserable at my job yeah. of driving from here to my house. So <laughs> he is it is still assuming they win, you can't lose. You can't lose again here. You can't lose this week. The narrative changes, right? The narrative always changes if you lose the navy. Assuming Brian Kelly just finishes up ten and three, almost everyone has signed up for it that is reasonable. And the manner they did it to be number three in the country with a bullet is pretty impressive. Yeah. The loss was terrible. And the loss is stings, and the loss is going to stick with you for a whole year because every time you go play a fast team from the state of Florida or the SEC or Clemson, you're going to think Notre Dame is going to get overwhelmed in this night primetime game until it doesn't happen. So I understand the frustration. But the Brian Kelly getting fired narrative That's has crazy. not have been it's around insane. since... They showed that they were one of the top fifteen teams in the country. Yeah, that's it's, the best way to say
1: it. it I and Than I, I think, think look, you could You could if you wanted to like really fixate on Brian Kelly. Should he be canned after this year? Like maybe if they had beaten USC by three points yeah, and none like of this, scraped by NC yeah. State and got lucky to beat Michigan State. I mean, they absolutely destroyed those teams. So I I like what he's doing big picture. I think there are some real problems/questions slash with the program and I agree with you that that loss on Saturday night it's kind of one that you're not going to live down. I mean it's it's one of those that like is going to keep coming up the same way that we talk about Alabama in 2012 or Navy in 2010. Like those it's just one of those that was an all-time bad loss for for him here.
2: I think there are two to wrap this one up. This is a long question and answer session. <laughs> there are two points to Brian Kelly that a rational fan has. Number one is doesn't win big games. Number two is, every game is too close. When they win, they, they sneak these things out. They have eradicated number two completely. They've murdered everybody. Did not win this big game on the road. It was the biggest game of the year. Yes, it does negate the big wins that have happened this year because of the manner in which the route occurred. Still better to have won those games, right? And to destroy yeah. those teams. So, he's one for two. And no, I have no idea if, when they play the next... If they play Florida State in primetime next year, and Florida State's totally retooled. And they have the number two ranked defense of the country so running around. I bet you Florida State looks pretty fast Yeah, compared to Notre Dame still. So that, that has to be overcome.
1: Terry Benedict, explain the narrative that both Alabama and the championship game in Miami on Saturday knew what play call was coming.
2: I think we agree on this is kind of a lazy one. Yeah. Um, I think Alabama noticed a lot of things in Notre Dame's defense because it was a basic defense that played. They shifted. From three down to four down fronts, has Bob Diaco had a plan to do it? And it worked all year long, and they weren't going to change it. And maybe that is to Diaco's detriment. Maybe it's not. I don't know, because I don't coordinate defenses that give up 11 points a game for 12 straight games and thinking maybe it'll work. I think this one is, Pete, as you said, Brian Kelly said we were predictable. We knew they were predictable. They were predictable. I don't think Miami unlocked it by looking at five days of film, though.
1: No. that's there. There's a On one side, we're like, wow, Nick Saban outcoached Bob Diaco fine. Like, I think that's a completely reasonable position to take when he had a month to do it. This, I think, is, it's lazy to say that, oh, well, and when the predictable stuff came out Saturday, I was like, "Eh, that's weird. It's a little bit uneasy. But then when you think about what was said and how the game played out, you're right. Brian Kelly said that Notre Dame got predictable on offense. He also said, without using the word predictable, that Miami was predictable on offense by run, when they ran the quarterback draw. Notre Dame just did a crappy job of stopping it. So so was Miami predictable then? Are, are we criticizing Mark Rick's play calling? No, because it, it worked, and Mi- Miami wasn't in good position to stop that. I mean, I think Notre Dame's been plenty predictable all year. Let's run Josh Adams up the middle for 75 yards. That's predictable, but it keeps working. So I think just what happened on Saturday night was, I mean, was Chase Claypool's uh, option run a predictable play call? Just no, bad, just it was a bad, just a bad one. So, But it it was unpredictable. It was thinking outside the box. Um, So, no, I, I don't think that there's really any connection between the Alabama predictable narrative and the Miami predictable narrative other than the stadium was played in and the games were not
2: that fun. And play. when teams win, sometimes the coaches say that. Players say that, and they're buoyed by the fact that they won. If you remember Navy here, it was yeah. the exact same thing as last year in 2009. You know what? You yes. only say that when you win, and you only say that when you want to dig a little bit. And that sometimes it's not necessary. And I,
1: I think it. I, I have to give Miami staff a lot of credit. I thought Miami was incredibly well prepared for this game defensively. It's like you look at the Ian Book pick six and Tejan Bandy. Trejan Bandy is breaking on the ball
2: while the ball is still in Ian Book's hand. But as you pointed out, that's partly the scenario is there's fifty, there's 38 seconds left. You need to score a touchdown. Your backup quarterback's in. Third and six. He Thank can you. only do a couple things. That's great coaching and great player film to field. Yeah. Playing fast. That's but, kudos to them. There's yeah. two things coming. He, 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 he bet it. He jumped it.
1: Two things have to happen for the playing fast thing to tag to stick. You have to be extremely well-prepared. And you actually have to be fast. And Miami was both.
2: So that, that's a credit to their staff and the talent that they have. Irish, I was tailgating. Again, the offensive game plan and play calling let us down with slow developing run plays and trying to do too much in the passing game. What does Notre Dame's offense need to do differently to succeed against fast, aggressive defenses?
1: Um this might sound like a strange place to start but I think if you're going to run outside and do the the quote unquote slow developing run plays you need to run them with Tony Jones or Dexter Williams and not Josh Adams because I I just don't think Josh Adams's strengths are those kinds of runs um not against fast talented defenses like you could stick almost any running back back there against North Carolina and well they did yeah and you just run <laughs> whatever you want um Against Georgia and Miami, I think you have to play to the strengths of your running backs because your just margin for success is is a lot smaller. So I, I think that either run Josh Adams inside. If you insist on running outside, do it with Dexter Williams or Tony Jones. That that would be what I
2: would do. And fewer. I don't know. Or just <laughs> don't do it. Or just don't do it. It's a, in some cases, don't do it. You can't not do it because it has worked all year for Notre Dame. But it doesn't have to be the meat of the running game either. Um, as far as the passing game, the first drive, it, it does not... Like, I got, I don't know, 50 texts the first drive from friends <laughs> about why are they coming out passing. They came out passing a lot and it worked this year. They came out passing against Georgia and it should have been a touchdown. They got a field goal. They came out passing against USC and it failed miserably. They came out Michigan against Michigan State and it worked. They came out passing Wake Forest and they drove it was running Wake Forest and passing kind of slowed it down. There was one more they came out passing and it worked. NC State. The thing is... He missed a throw. It yep. should have been seven nothing. The point the problem was after the first drive, it was too, way too much. All right, now we're going to do something here in the running game to keep you guys off balance as opposed to okay, here we come. Let's go. We have we've all we've both gone back and forth. We've settled in the game. Let's run. We're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Let's go and see what you can do then. The only way you wear a team down is to keep running the ball. Yeah. And running the ball at them and they didn't do that. So it's okay to keep a team off balance because you, that, that has been part of the success this year. But I just think they, I, I, I have they were so timid, and it filtered into everything they did. I agree.
1: I agree. I agree if it's slow developing, way. it was timidly developing. Yeah. Fresh sixteen nineteen. Do you think Notre Dame should save money in sports psychology and big game motivation by hiring a jeweler to make a shamrock turnover chain? Thoughts?
2: <laughs> That's such a great question. <laughs> Um, if I see a Shamrock turnover chain, <laughs> I will remind them of things such as the number one jersey for the, uh, oh, no. <laughs> that had the best week, oh, and I will remind them of 33 trucking hats and things like that. Uh, that turnover chain absolutely has done its job this year, so there is nothing, I have nothing against it, and we think like we mentioned beforehand, Notre Dame has things, they have like sledgehammers and all that kind of yeah. stuff, and they had a chain at some point. This is just one of the better questions to put on here in the timing of this meme just mean it's a mean funny question i, I approve fresh 1619 you hit my type of humor um it's a time to ask it look if you're gonna hang your hang your lantern and hang or excuse me hang a hat on hey our sports psychology is great our laser focus our attention to detail our grit our traits are blah 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 33 trucking look at us market this and then you get murdered well yeah. you deserve a little bit back yeah
1: that was uh i think brian kelly used the term optimal zone a few times uh in the last 48 hours as like we weren't close to whatever whatever the optimal zone was. We were not close, and I, I, that that sort of goes back to the the atmosphere on Saturday night. It
2: was it was just too big for Notre Dame. They weren't they weren't in a mental mentally in a good place for that. In your phrase, too big is totally accurate and is what is making people angry. Yeah, and surprisingly, yeah, I was shocked, but I didn't think I thought they were past it. Uh, I was wrong. Yeah.
1: ND NYC Chip Long called a bad game against Georgia and seemed to learn from his mistake and settle into some great game plans. I note, however, that Long is still young and hasn't run into the likes of Georgia and Miami in his role as an offensive coordinator before. So, was this another example of on-the-job learning for him? And how involved do you think Brian Kelly was in the offensive game plan?
2: I think he's always involved in the offensive game plan as the head coach. I think he turns the play calling over to Chip Long. Um, I would be kind of upset if Brian Kelly was involved in the offensive game planning because that's what he kind of made his wares on mm-hmm. in the first place. Now, I think it's great he's turned over the play calling. I... This offensive game plan, whoever it was, I disagree with it. <laughs>
0: okay? Yeah. I just... And I don't have to... This doesn't
2: have to be in retrospect. As you're watching, you're just thinking, what? Why? Why? A question came on Thursday. How worried are you that you're going to see an offensive game plan that doesn't include the 45 runs? We did. Yeah. The the running late it didn't matter anymore, man. Like when you're down twenty-seven nothing you decide to start selling in. I know they ran more than they passed. It's only because if they were gonna pass they're gonna lose by fifty. Yeah. They realize these passes are going to the wrong guys. It's great when the ball bounces. That's they gave up on the passing game because they had to. They abandoned the passing game, Pete. It's happened.
1: <laughs> it was uh yeah, it was hard to watch and it was hard to understand, like, okay, what what do you think Miami's defensive weaknesses are? Like what were you trying to attack? I just don't know. I, I have no clue where they felt like we can have some success doing this. Maybe it was getting deep, I guess. Uh
2: yeah, They had a sh- uh, yeah, it's they had two shots. There wasn't just the one. Um, there was a throw Ian Book under throw to Step Steph- That was going to be a touchdown picked. if it put out there. But that like even that to me this is needs a, cool. a really good throw. That's what you're saying. Yeah it, needs, yeah,
1: it needs a quarterback who can make that throw. Ian Book I don't think has the arm strength to make that mm-hmm. throw consistently. Brandon Wimbush has the arm strength but not the accuracy. It just is those are it's just a low percentage play. Yeah. So it's like I think that we can sit there and say, well, if they just hit on this deep ball, then everything would have been different or the game's flow would have changed. Well, that's like saying, well, if you if you hit on this 10% chance play, then things would have been different. Yeah. But well, it's a 10% chance play. It just, it, that needed to be, the deep passing game needs to be a complement to a strong running game. They didn't have either working. Um, so it's just, it was difficult to look at that game plan and think, okay, here's what they were trying to do. And uh, Fowler and Herbstreet said this during the game, like, I think it was during the second half and Wimbush maybe had a 10-yard run or something and said that, you know, I really thought we would see a lot more Wimbush running the ball with sort of like a definitive, okay, I'm running it. Like Rogier, even. That was that was really rare. His Most of his runs, to me, he only had 11. Five of them were sacks. And then I think there were probably...
2: That's the worst thing that's been said on the podcast today, by the way. Yeah, but
1: it's like another four of them probably were scrambles. And that left you with two or three that were either designed runs... Or sort of quarterback keepers on read option type stuff. Um, Where he excels with
2: the one read, two read go? Yes. Yes.
1: There was very little Brandon Wimbush threat of a runner um, on Saturday night, which I thought was a little bit weird. So
2: you didn't like the game plan either?
1: No. Okay, just (laughs) joking. BL Casburn wants to know, which team is the real Notre Dame? The team that beat USC or the team that lost to Miami?
2: Or is it neither? It's not the team that lost to Miami. Um, the team that beat USC was also uniquely fired up, uniquely focused on Brian Kelly's message, which clearly worked that week post by of being the more physical team. At one point during the Miami game, I think it was Homer, it could have been DJ Dallas, it really didn't matter because he was finishing around 27 yards downfield, put his helmet down and just put down the tackler, knowing on the sideline. It was Homer versus Nick Coleman. And it was, it was one of these things where I'm about to get tackled, but you're going to feel it. And that's what Notre Dame and Josh Adams and some and Tony Jones were doing to USC. So I don't know if Notre Dame gets back there enough. But Notre Dame was in that mode against USC, against its arch rival. I can't believe they were in that mode last night. I guess when there's 11 guys faster than you hitting you, you can get out of that mode pretty quickly. Um, maybe the real team we saw is the one that beat NC State. That has more talent than NC State. That took NC State's best punch, and they have some players. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not disparaging NC State. I think Notre Dame has more talent than NC State. Uh, NC State has developed veteran talent. Notre Dame was able to subdue them, beat them down, and wear them down. Maybe that's the real Notre Dame team right now. They have more talent than Michigan State, too. And they did the same thing to Michigan State. I think USC was a uniquely focused Notre Dame team to the point of that might be the best I have seen Notre Dame play in, I mean, it's Oklahoma and... I don't know what else like that that was a that team was just so into that game.
1: Here's another way to look at that. Let's change out USC and Notre Dame and Miami and Notre Dame. Miami did to Notre Dame what Notre Dame did to USC. Yeah. That game for Notre Dame meant everything. That was where they were going to prove it. That was their big spotlight. That was what the program was all about. That was what the history of the program was all about. This is your moment to sort of write your name in the Notre Dame history books. That was what Saturday night was for Miami. Um, I think some fans have complained about, well, the former players coming back. And my, that meant, you know, that you saw some Miami players sort of do the convict walk after big plays. Uh, that, that game meant a lot more to Miami than it did to Notre Dame. Which is, which again, is not to say that it didn't mean anything to Notre Dame. That's ridiculous. In the same way, that's not you. No one would say the USC game meant nothing to USC. Um, but I think that Miami just came into Saturday night uniquely tuned as a buzz saw in the same way that Notre Dame did against USC. So, if you want to say which team is the real Notre Dame, I agree with you. It's it's neither of those teams. It's more like NC State. It could be like Michigan State. Um, though, that I think has a lot more to do with like who Notre Dame is. I, you know, in some ways, Georgia is not, so I wouldn't dismiss Georgia. The Georgia game is like an outlier. Cause I, I think that had a lot of traits of like what Notre Dame is about, uh, or not about. Um, so I, if you want to throw out the two outliers, the two outliers of the season were USC and Miami. Um, so yeah, I think for
2: BL Casper it's the answer is neither. Wash N.D. This is gonna this is gonna be real pick me up here at the end. Short of winning a national championship, how does Kelly ever regain the trust of the fan base after last season and this primetime debacle? How can a fan invest in a Kelly led team knowing full well that a game like Saturday Night is coming every season, at least once, if not more? <laughs> wow. We'll be back on Thursday, we'll Thursday
1: with our <laughs> Not attending the Navy game. Um, okay. Won't be alone. Yeah, you know. I don't know what to tell you, Wash N D. Um, it's college football and I can't reach to this microphone and give you a hug and help you along here. Uh, I know this is tough, but it, I, I don't know. And I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know the answer to this, nor, nor do I think sort of people who have this fan sentiment, all due respect to Wash N I don't think they matter right now. Um, that Brian Kelly can't win you over. you've made your decision on him. That's okay. but if you just don't want to watch, that's okay too. Uh, but there's just there's there's no answer to this. This is an unanswerable question because because Washington d has answered it for himself and there are a lot of fans who feel that way and I think that's okay. Um,
2: yeah, I think a lot of fans feel that way, that, and, it's, that, and they're perfectly. Uh, that is not a I'm bad, not, quote unquote bad fan, or right I'm now. not. That, that is a reasonable fan. Right
1: yeah, now. I'm not judging Wash N.D. or his sentiment here. Um, there are a lot of fans that feel that way. Uh, this is this is different than you know some of the angst after last year. This is having a skeptical perspective of Notre Dame moving forward. And the next time they get in a big game against a team that has. A lot of speed and a lot of talent, which could happen in the Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl after this year. If you want to be, if you want to be skeptical of Notre Dame playing Clemson in a bowl game or Ohio State or Oklahoma State or Penn State, you should be. That is a fair and reasonable perspective to have. Um, I hope they don't play Ohio State in a bowl game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. I guess I, I, don't, I don't even know how to answer this question just because I don't, I don't think it has an answer. Because I, I think Washington D has answered his
2: own question. I partly agree. I have a short answer. So short of winning the national championship. Obviously that erases anything. Mm-hmm. If you're a reasonable fan. I think if you repeat this year next year without the Miami loss, just lose the game. That's fine. 28-24. Mm-hmm. Finish out. 10-2. and 10-2. Go 11-2 and two with the bull win. If you go 11-2 with the bull win and 2 with the bull win, 11 and two with the bowl win that offsets 4-8 and eight part. There's two parts to this question. 11-2 at the bowl win, 11-2 at the bowl win. That is a great job at Notre Dame. In 11 years, they play fewer games, so you're going to have to bear with me a little bit here and not nitpick. In 11 years, Era had five of those. In 11 years, Holtz had five of those. In five years, Weiss didn't really have one, but he was almost there his first year. You know, in, in, a, quali- in a season like that. William didn't have any. Brian Kelly, if he does it this year, will have two. Ten and three year was not this they, That's the year in 2015, they could have been eight and five, and they were 10 and three. That's when people say well, we could have been 13. no, well, you could have been eight and five, too. Mm-hmm. This year, the record is the record, other than they could have beaten Georgia maybe. I think if you go 11 and two and 11 and two, you win some fans back over the group of Kelly should be fired because he's four and eight. he's an eight-win coach. Mm-hmm. You do not, however, and you pointed this out perfectly, win them back when you're going into that big game and you are playing for all the marbles, and it's Alabama, or now Miami, who's not going anywhere. Or a team like Georgia, who they're going to be playing between the hedges again Mm -hmm. in a couple years. Or, heaven forbid, another Ohio State-Urban Meyer matchup for some reason. That is a game that if you go into that game, and you're an analyst that covers Notre Dame football, and you are a fair one, you should pick Notre Dame to lose until you see them win it. Because that got proven in spades this weekend.
1: Here's here's another I, I way to look at this. If you're Wash the 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 implication of this question is that Brian Kelly um, had regained your trust. Going into my I think people
2: he would, felt he was right there. Just people I know, and I mean, I'm minds the Holtz generation college. Oh kids. yeah, there's
1: a lot of bitterness. There's a lot of bitterness, of the but they're like, group.
2: yeah, there's a lot of bitterness in this group. But I, I think that this is a pretty big group of the 39 to 50 year olds on yeah, 44. That's, think, a, that's a big group of Notre
1: Dame fans. It's like there's bitterness in that group. It's a and it's a reasonable position to have,
2: and they wanted to be back on. And I think I was more back on than them. Which is interesting because you're a reporter. That's no more. But uh, (laughs) I thought, I thought, you know what? This, this, at least this team is different, if not the program. Mm Because I do wonder when Nelson and McGlinchey are gone, if they just say, well, now we're now we're a balanced team, and that won't work. But I, I I think people would have been back on with Kelly with a win last night.
1: Yeah, well, I I think that a lot of people were back on with Kelly before the game on Saturday night. So I'm, I'm not. They were quick to fall off though. Oh yeah. Even those people, I'm saying. But like yeah. they had just hopped on and <laughs> then they hopped on. It was a slippery bandwagon yeah. and they went off the other edge. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, okay, look, next year's schedule. Let's say they lose uh, to Michigan to start the year 2019. Well then what are we talking about? Because <laughs> no. that's just gonna
2: be the, that's gonna be a bad, no, bad no. podcast here, on Monday. Here, hear, hear me out. <laughs> okay, great. Next next
1: year, let's say let's say they finish ten and three, beat Stanford okay. and Navy, lose a bowl game to whoever. Okay, there's still some skepticism going into the year. They lose to Michigan to start the year. It's probably going to feel a lot like Georgia, but then they have Ball State, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, Stanford, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, Navy, and Northwestern. And then you're like, oh wait, uh, Notre Dame's eight and one. They're rolling people. They're balanced. I think you know. I think this is turning. It's around.
2: November. We're so good in this month. Everybody it's, should be all it's,
1: it's and then it's <laughs> November 10th, and Florida State comes here. Our people. I I guarantee. That the the majority of the fan base will view that game the same way they viewed Miami before the game started. Notre <laughs> Dame's going to kill them. They're doing great. Like this is what Notre Dame football is all about. Um, so I think for these people who just then jumped off the bandwagon on Miami, understandably so. I think if this season, if next season plays out like this season, going into that November game against a team from Florida with a lot of speed, you are going to be right back on going into that game. At that point, I think it's just okay to be like. Let's just be a little bit skeptical. Let's see how this game plays out. Let's not freak out either way. Let's just see how it plays out. That's okay. That's an okay position to be.
2: In. By the way, who made that November schedule? Next year? Are you kidding? <laughs> Sailing through. You just listed all those teams that are so yeah. eminently hammerable. Yeah. <laughs> and then Florida State, right Syracuse at USC. <laughs> tough,
1: tough way to close it out. But at um the I'll be curious to see what the, the fan base is like on Saturday against Navy. I mean, it's... You lost me at 2019 Michigan, okay. That was bad. That was just not it. A... Oh, no, 2018, not 2019. Okay, great. I'm just looking one year in advance. All right. Well, that's it for this week's Iron Man. No, the score. The opening
0: loss yes. to Michigan. Oh, the yes. 2019. The opening loss to Michigan.
2: It's basically ruined the offseason yeah. already. There's no... <laughs> Who did they play this week? Yeah, Yeah. Navy, which we will preview Thursday on our next podcast. The ideal Senior Day opponent, Navy. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, we'll be back Thursday to sort of talk about the midship, and I guess, um, but also probably a lot more focus on Noreem's big picture, because at that point we'll talk to Brian Kelly and a bunch of players on Wednesday night. So, until Thursday morning, our next Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast, I'm Pete Sampson, he's Tim O'Malley. Thanks for listening.